1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Believe Sports Business. Yours truly, Fred Wall, and with you almost every week across uh, Southern California and around the world. Love to have you email us at sportsfred at AOL.com, sportsfred at AOL.com. And our guest this week, uh, again, Tom Holforth of the uh, Los Angeles Times and the Sports Business Journal, and for many years, the Daily News. Thomas, welcome again to the show.
0: Hey, Fred, you still have an AOL address. Good for you.
1: They, you know, that's the funny thing. They called me about 21 years ago, 1998. They offered me $500 for sportsfred at AOL.com. I ah. said, I said no because otherwise I'd be sportsfred 992. <laughs> this is a lot easier to get emails. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I, I'm the least tech person on earth. If I tried to change, I'd screw it up myself. So uh, there are,
0: Yeah, there are more people who still have AOL addresses than you like to believe, and people in the media business who just go, I've always had it. It's what people always know me for. Why change it?
1: You know, I found out today that a friend, not a friend, uh, a sports collector, and hopefully you'll become a friend, has <laughs> my,
0: MindSpring.com. Oh, my gosh. So my, parents still, my parents still have Earthlink.
1: There it is, you see. I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> we don't have even a, any bit of the stock in any of these things. Okay. Uh, so, when Tom was growing up and Fred was growing up in the 70s, and uh, you turn on CBS and you see Jimmy the Greek Snyder, and yep. he talk about games, but he couldn't talk the numbers. He actually had to put check marks up. The reason I am bringing this up, Tom's newspaper, the LA Times, now a couple times a week at least, running a piece on sports gambling. The whole world's changed, Tom Holforth.
0: Well, it's in preparation, I suppose, for when California does legalize sports gambling. But it's also a sign that it's become a lot more normalized than it has been. And I kind of equate it to when we were growing up and we would see cigarette ads and we'd see hard liquor ads. And then they went away for a while because they were deemed to be, you know, vices that we're not supposed to be showing people or capitalizing on and in the, in the same way those are coming back we don't see cigarette ads anymore but we see you know, you know people who vape and then but we do see hard liquor ads coming back you know the Jim Beam the official sponsor of the Dodgers and and maybe you can't drink it on a commercial but it's it's very much present and i i think uh, as vices become more and more normalized, we become more conditioned to seeing well it 's you know it 's okay it's it's you know just do it in moderation and you know you there, you know you can call gambling anonymous and and all those things to cure yourself if something goes wrong but it's it 's kind of one of those uh catch twenty twos to me in that people may want gambling information and you know there's certain places they would go to get it but I wouldn't go to a mainstream media service necessarily for my gambling information because I just think it's kind of homogenized and it's sort of it's sort of framed in a way that it's kind of an you know it's an engaging story but it's not really giving you any information so I, I don't glean any information from these I'm just more curious about who does read them and what they're looking for. Uh, it, it's a sports business story, definitely. Vegas has always been a sports business. Interesting, you know, uh, entity, entity. And when you try to see, try to see how does Vegas win, how do, how do we as a customer win, what does DraftKings do, what do what are, what are these companies do that, that more and more get you hooked on gambling. And then also don't really tell you the odds of you succeeding in this are very, very slim. So just do it for the fun of it. You know you're going to drop a 20, but just kind of do it for the fun of it, like you're going to a racetrack and just, you know, as a casual person who's betting on horses, betting on the pink silks or whatever. So I don't know. I I, I have mixed feelings about this, and uh, there's a movie that's coming up with Adam Sandler called Uncut Gems where Sandler, it's a very, very dark movie. I think it's coming out in a couple weeks. So I just saw a screening of it. He's he's a degenerate gambler who's also in the jewelry business and uses a connection with Kevin Garnett to sort of get an in on what the state of mind is as an athlete, and that affects his betting. And does he win? Does he lose? Well, he does both. He And, it, and it's a very uh dark movie that i think is going to get a lot of uh interesting comments uh, yeah, as we go along but uh I, I was curious when i asked you about this fred do you read this as information do you sort of take it as a business story how do you sort of uh process this information
1: i think it's from vison uh, the, yeah. uh network in las vegas uh Brent right musburger and i get their nightly thing uh uh, early in the morning, and I read that, and I read yours from the L.A. Times. And the most interesting thing, in my opinion, Thomas O'Farth, you just said was, you called wagering a vice.
0: <laughs> well, is it not a vice?
1: I don't think so. It's, if it's okay. your money, no, you no, can I, do what I, you want, I, do it with your no, own no, money. There are
0: professional gamblers. I mean, the guy who, the, James Holzauer, made a profession of it by, and then, Translated it to winning on Jeopardy, the most money ever, because of his strategy. And there's people who do this obviously for a living. So I've always seen it as a vice. I've always seen the bad side of it. I've always seen the people who hit rock bottom, thinking that they have have everything figured out, and I feel really bad for them. But on the other hand, you know, there's money to be made. So it's it's a free economy. It's 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 what people choose to do with their livelihood, with their money. I mean, my parents you know, take their savings and go down to Pachanga and, and throw it into a slot machine. You know they're not going to come out winning, but they enjoy the, the whole, you know, excitement of the bells and whistles and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, there's, there's something to it. It's just that I, I guess it's not for me, and I just don't want to get sucked into this. But I also don't want people to think that it's a normal, you know, thing to do. You really have to be careful with what you're doing here.
1: I'm Hofarth, LA Times. I'm Fred Wall. you can email us uh, sportsfred at AOL.com. Not sportsfred990. Sportsfred <laughs> at AOL.com. And uh, I'll definitely get back to you. And uh, you mentioned horse racing in the middle of the uh, the spiel. And uh, yeah. at, the, at the age of six, my mom and dad took me to Hollywood Park. And we lived in Culver City. And Hollywood Park, of course, was in Inglewood. I became enchanted. And. Uh, when well, my mom and dad couldn't drive me to the track. Of course, uh, before I was old enough to go and to drive, I begged my Aunt Sally to take me. That's how much I loved it. Uh, in college, I actually worked my schedule around going to Hollywood Park in Santa Anita in the daytime and then go back for a night class or two at, uh, in college. And it was a great date. And then I found out how they treat the thoroughbred. So my yeah, thought is, yeah. I got to end this sport just like they ended dog racing in Florida. Uh, Santa Anita is now gonna not uh, uh, not race uh, during a rainy weather. Del Mar, of course, lost a couple of dates because of that. Um, right. But the point is, what do you think the future is? Is there a chance that we can close the sport down? Because how many horses have to die? And you know they can live to year. They can live till 30 years of age. Why should they die at three or four?
0: It kind of reminds me of the newspaper industry where there's all these factors that are coming. I don't want to call it the perfect storm, but it's more like the perfect tidal wave, perfect tsunami, because that's more destructive. Where in the newspaper industry, we were already losing subscribers to classified ads. Those were going to Craigslist. We would lose advertisement in the print edition because the people weren't reading the print edition, and they were getting information from other sources. But on top of that, we had ownership that was just not caring about the business, and they were selling the rights to the ownership to hedge funds. And and they were just looting and pillaging the business. Um, and then technology also was 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 part of that storm too in that it took over and it, it changed people's reading habits um, horse racing was already like boxing uh, you know on, on one of these tracks that you know, the age the the age of the the true fan was getting older and older but I, I've always thought of horse racing as this you know it's it's something that's predated the American the start of the American Revolution let's go back to the 1600s they were racing in New York yeah. um, it, it's it's an event that you have to be in person to really appreciate to appreciate the athletes, these horses, the jockeys who who ride these horses who who risk their lives, and this is probably the closest as I'm reading different things about this, the closest the sport has really come into you know caving in on itself, and until it cleans up and really defines what's going on. People are going to be hesitant about it. Now, the Breeders' Cup, which I did a couple stories about, NBC was really promoting it, and and you had it at Santa Anita. They decided to go ahead at Santa Anita after they'd already had 30-something deaths. The, the, the two-day event goes all the way to the last stretch before a horse gets hurt and goes right. has to go down. Right. NBC tried to gloss over the whole thing. And, you know, they're presenting the winner's circle and the big fanfare. And then, by the way, there's an ambulance taking a horse away. And it was just like they had the best handle. They, all the press releases talked about how it was the greatest, you know, uh, wagering, the, the most attended, blah, blah, blah. And it says, yeah, you still had this horse that was... That, that died because of it, you know, it, it just the way horse injuries are. You can't keep them stable. So Santa Anita is ready to start up again. There's always the, the winter, spring season. It's going to start the day after Christmas, runs through the end, of, in the middle of June. Um, and they're in the same situation again. What are we going to do? How are we going to get people to come out? How are we going to get people involved in, in uh, you know, what, what the sport has always offered, which is this really high-class, glamorous, uh, it, you, you feel like you're walking back in time when you go into a racetrack, in a good way, and not in a bad way. And it's, you know, I, I, I hope that they've got it figured out. Santa Anita has a new CEO. The Stone Group has been really, you know, I think proactive in trying to get this fixed because it affects everything. Every track affects every other track, and. Um, I'm I'm putting a story actually together for now for the LA Business Journal, another one of my media outlets, about how Santa Anita is really going to, you know, redefine their business and what they use as measurements of success and whether it's attendance and handles and and wagering, you know, it it seems to not have dipped. Um, It's just that... People have to just be more aware of what's going on and and how the the weather, the rain affects the track and the clay track and how they pack it in and all those things that they do with it and the medicines and and how the horses react to that. So, yeah, I I hope it – I really do hope it doesn't go away. My my greatest sports experience – was 10 years ago seeing Zenyatta win the Breeders' Cup Classic, right. and it, it, it completely caught me off guard because I'd I'd been to World Series and NBA Finals, and it was just amazing to see Zenyatta this this female horse come from behind and win this race, and just to see this electricity in the air, it, it, you know, it's like a title fight, like a heavyweight title fight, um, and it was it was just amazing to be part of that atmosphere, and and it's hard to recapture that anywhere else in any other sports venue, so. You know, I, 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 you know, I really do hope they have they get this thing figured out because it's just it's it's too bad that this thing keeps happening and you know it, it gets the negative press. But I think they'll work through it. I really, I, I, you know, it's there's too many people invested in this to keep it to keep it uh, active and thriving. So as a business, they have to figure out how to make it work.
1: Let me just add this: uh, before last year, the Stronix, uh fired the uh, entire crew and uh, they rehired the. Uh, the boss, but uh, they, they tried to save some bucks, and then 37 horses go down. Sure. And, and I, I don't care if it's the track. I don't care if it's the dirt. I don't care if it's the turf. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's the food. I don't care what it is. I want that sport ended, and it, we're on different sides. And, I, again, nobody could have loved that sport more than I loved it, honest to God. Yeah. And I'm just totally – It's it, maybe it's because I've lost a couple of uh, – uh, Shalties, uh, little doggies, and uh, I don't know. Sure. But, th- but the point is, uh, uh, these are live things that can live to 30 and a little bit older in some cases. They don't have to die at 3 and 4. Hey, let's move forward because. Uh,
0: no, I, I, I agree. I, I see both sides of it. I just don't know which side to be on right now.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny line in the LA Times on Sunday or Monday that you say I lost on purpose to USC so that Clay Helton could not be fired.
0: <laughs> yeah, right what are your here. thoughts? <laughs> well, when I was watching UCLA play Chaminade yesterday, I was wondering what's what's going to be, become the outcome of this. They're going to make Chaminade a national powerhouse again. I mean, it was it was tied at 22 early in the second half, but but back to football, yeah, I, I I hear that from Oregon fans too. That you know, I'm glad that to see Clay Helton continue to win. He's just in <laughs> that gray area, right between. Between a great recruiter, and, yeah, but it, but you're, if you're going to finish nine and three, eight and four every year, that's not going to cut it at USC. And and I, I don't know what the exit strategy is uh, for USC. It, it appears, you know, if I was going to make a, a again wager, I would yes bet that they're going to replace him. And just how they do, it's going to look awkward. But you got to have somebody in place right away, in a big name. I mean, you can't you can't fire Grady Little if you don't have Joe Torre waiting there to take over the Dodger manager, right? You can't just just let this guy go. Um, And whether it's, you know, the the usual suspects, who knows? Because, you know, they're all, you know, obfuscating and and hiding behind rumors and things like that. But yeah, USC was only a national power when it had a national recognized coach, whether it's John McKay or John Robinson or Pete Carroll. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of their MO and that's kind of what they have to do. It's too bad cuz again, Clay's one of my favorite guys to deal with, just like Ted Tolner was and Ted was in the same position back with USC. So it's uh, it's it's one of those you can't win enough, you know, for the for the fan base and somehow Chip Kelly's been under the radar, right? Because he just he's going to keep surviving with no bowl games and and then before someone recognizes what's going on, maybe they need a new athletic director as well who's going to, you know, figure that part out too.
1: Let me just add this. When he took over at Oregon, Chip Kelly, Mike Pilati, who became the athletic director with the Ducks, uh, left him a whole slew of talent. And if you take a look oh, – yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. When he went to the pros, Philadelphia and San Francisco, and now with UCLA, uh, he's not a winning coach at this point in time. However, he would make a great offensive coordinator. I don't think there's any question about that. All right. Um,
0: yeah, so would Clay Helton.
1: Okay, but here's the problem. In, in our last 90 seconds or so, Tom, um, yep. they can't hire Urban Meyer. You get a new president no, no. and a new athletic director, and Urban right. Meyer, as co- as fine a coach, as he has been at Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. At Florida and Ohio State, there have been... Problems, NCAA yep. problems and problems. Yep. You can't hire him, can you, if you're a new no, president, no, a new no. athletic director?
0: No, it's like UCLA hinting at hiring Rick Pitino when they had the opening with yeah. Alfred. There's just no way you can do that. You, there's too much baggage, too much damage control, too much spin control on that. And, and you have to find a young guy who's up and coming. I, maybe they thought they had that with, uh, I'm blanking on his name, the one who went over to the Arizona Cardinals, you know, uh, uh, Clint, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh,
1: Kingsbury, that, yes. Got
0: yeah, that. I think they had. They thought they had that in place. He was going to be the successor, and then he he took off. And that's, I, you know, for what it was worth, I think that was a smart move. But um, yeah, if they don't have anybody in place, I don't know what you do, especially before the bowl games. You know, when you, when you figure out what's going to happen with the bowl games, it it sends a bad message to your students, but it also sends. I message to your alumni. So who do you who are you endowed to? Right, it's usually the alumni. So they usually have they look the last call plus the money power to say to buy out contracts, and that it's it's too bad when you see all the local talent here at Modern Day and Saint John Bosco going to Clemson and and Alabama and not staying in town. You know, so what? How do you change that?
1: All right, in thirty seconds. Uh, hey, folks, we're taping this. Uh... Wednesday afternoon, it's, right now it's five seventeen. so I watched the game earlier today, UCLA uh, losing to Michigan State. They did not have Where? one fast-break basket in the entire game. I don't care if Mick Cronin is a winning coach. That is not going to sell for UCLA fans with a history of John Wooden. you got to have fast break, and, t- and Bruins have enough talent to run. They were slowing the ball down to a point where, you know, with uh, eight minutes to go in the first half, it was like 15 to 14, something like that, and they lose by 15 in the end. Michigan State's good, but UCLA certainly can run, and they didn't run. It's almost like they're playing like their chaminade against Michigan State. You can't do yeah. that. I, 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 for the fans of the Bruins in 30 seconds, Tom, yay or nay?
0: Well, two words jump out of me. It's Ben Howland all over again. Yeah, and, and Ben was successful at Pitt. He came here as a defensive coach. That's what they got. I mean, it, it, you you get what you ask for, whether the coach is you know offensive minded or defensive, and and. And Cronin learned how to to use defense to win, and and he'll stay in games. They're not going to be ugly. They're not going to be pretty games. They're going to be pretty ugly. You know, that not many times UCLA is going to go over sixty points. So, what do you, you know? What do you do? <laughs> that's that's what you've committed to. Andy Enberg on the other side of town. Meanwhile, you know the Florida Gulf Coast. Run and gun, and, and USC has just got the, the, the players to run and the athletes and the and the system. And USC is going to be the glamour team this, this you know this conference season again. And the Pac-12 seems to be up over last year. And UCLA is just going to be stuck in the middle somewhere. And if they do win games, it's going to be those grind them out 50 to 40 games. Um, you know, again, that's what you got. What are you going to do with it?
1: Tom Hofarth, have a great Thanksgiving and uh, holiday season. And we'll talk to you very, very soon right here on Believe. And uh, thank you for appearing tonight. Tom Hofarth, with us right here on uh, Sports Biz Believe. And, of course, you can go to uh, all the websites and see what uh, Believe has to offer. And it's not just this show, but you can listen to all the shows. And, uh, Scott, thank you for putting the show together. And we'll see you around the corner, Sports Business, Los Angeles, and Believe. Bye, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.